through, you guys know I love character studies, and, and Samson was always a big one, and I love talking about him and going through compromise and how he compromised in his life. But as I was going through and studying it, um, just talking with different people throughout the week and the week before, um, the Lord really laid it on my heart to speak on something different. And so this morning, what I feel that God has an awesome message for us, um, and last night it was so good getting so... I mean, just the things that were opening up in his word. You know when you sit down and you just spend that time, that hard time right there, and just things start pouring out? It gets scary. You're just, it's so good. So I'm excited this morning about what he has for us. And uh, the topic this morning is, do I really need church? Do I really need church? And this is a thing, and I know for you guys here, look at you guys are here. <laughs> okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah, it's a quick one today, okay? Don't tell Sean. <laughs> Yeah, of course we know, and I know you guys being here, of course you guys know you need it, you showed up. But there's those days, there's those times where our flesh steps up, and there's those people that we also know that have gone away from it. And especially you younger people in here that your parents are bringing you to church, it's a good thing to continue. And we have a lot of the millennials that are walking away from church, and the Gen Z that's walking away from church because they don't see any value in it. Because as us and the older generations, this is where we found community. Well, community can now be found out in a social area, in a networking area where you can be a different person, you can do different things, you can find your needs filled out there. It's robbing you of what your needs need to be filled in the church, but there's this whole thing that's gone on. So as we go through that this morning, it's actually going to hit it from a different point of view than most of you might think on looking at what church is about and why do we need church. It's a cool study that he took me through, and so I can't wait to share it with you guys. Um, But before we get into it, let's go ahead and let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for your word, and uh, just how you open it up, it's so powerful, Lord, and we praise you for it. We thank you so much that we get to be a part of it, uh, that you have these plans that have been worked out, and, and we as Gentiles and, and your people as Jews, Lord, we get to come along and, and do what you've already planned out from the very beginning of the earth, and what a cool, awesome thing and a privilege that we get to be a part of, Lord. I pray that you just speak through me this morning, Lord. I pray that your strength to be shown through my weakness, Lord. That the sickness that I have, Lord, you just take that away right now, and um, just that you would be proclaimed, Lord, that we'd be so excited to come to church, to be with each other, and just to please you as our Father, um, that we, we would just, it'd be a thing that we can't wait to come to on each Sunday, Lord, and the thing that we can't wait to be gathering together with other saints, and uh, go back to that time where Acts, where they just, they couldn't wait to see each other, sharing everything in common, and you're bringing so many people to the church because that's something the world didn't know. And so we pray you would do that, Lord. And uh, Lord, just just explain everything well through me and that I wouldn't goof up what you're trying to say, Lord. And we just pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So, you know, I would ask, how would you define church? And a lot of people that want to walk away from church, what it is is some people will say, well, church to me is a two-hour time slot that I have more pressing things to do and fill that two-hour time slot. Like, I need to sleep. That's one of the main things. I need to sleep. That's a good morning to sleep on. I've been working six, hour, or six days a week, you know, 10 hours a day. Sunday finally comes. I'm sorry, you just don't want me at church because I'm going to be grouchy. And so I'd be better if I just stay home. That's one of the ones. Uh, it, you know, would you, would you define church as a place to hear a mediocre teacher or, or somebody that's not an elite, you know, that, that's going on the TV or, or some podcast? It's something where you're like, okay, I guess I got to go because this is what the town here has for me. Um, but why, why would I do that when I could just stay home in the comfort of my pajamas and eating my Cheerios, you know, and, and kicking back listening to a, a podcast? 
or listening to something on the Facebook, or, you know, I can go and find these teachers that everybody's, like, super excited about, like Francis Chan, or, you know, or any of the old school guys, too, that we don't even have around anymore, and go listen to that and get something awesome from it. Well, why wouldn't I just do that? Why do I need to come to church? Why do I need to be a part of church when I can get the same teaching there? So that's another one. Is, is church maybe a place where you can cover up and appear to have it all together? Is it a place you come to because, like, no, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. I may have gone off the tracks a little bit for the week, but, you know, I'm coming to church because I'm okay. I still got everything all right. Look at I showed up. You know, and it's kind of, it's kind of used as a cover-up. And uh, I can sin all week. I got Sunday that I can repent and come back to him. And then the last one I have is, is, and this is a hard one. I know this is for some of you guys. Is church a place full of pain and strife? Is church a place full of pain and strife? And so if, if that's how we've looked at church and that's, you know, how we would define church in our own lives, well, then I would ask that you change that experience, you change that view, and you change that definition of church and that you would see it as Christ sees it. You'd see it as the word of God presents church. Because when we get to ourselves and we start portraying and looking through everything out of our own lens and through our own perspectives, we can lose sight of the truth of what church really is. I'm hurt in church by one person. Now church is horrible for me because I don't want to go and see that one person again. They don't even say hi to me anymore. I try for a whole, what, three months to say hi to them every time they walk by and they put their head down. That hurts. That hurts. I don't want to go and do... And that becomes church to me, that one person affecting me in that way. And after a while, we start to become bitter and portray and look through everything as if that's what church is about. So now everything we interpret, every action from everybody else, it's all pain. And we've come to this place that's not truth in what church is. And so I think we need to come back looking at what Jesus' view, and what's Jesus' view? We're not going to go over that that much this morning, but Jesus' view of the church is what? His bride. So it's one of those things, I don't know if you guys have ever had a good buddy or you ladies have had a great woman in your life and you can't stand their husband <laughs> or the guy, hey, I love hanging out with you, but your wife, she's got to go, okay? <laughs> like if we're going to hang out, we can't do this. Well, I think in the same essence, we go and we, we've become so into our experience of what we've experienced, church, rather than looking at Christ and seeing his bride there, we come to Jesus and say, I'm okay with you, Jesus. Me and you are perfectly fine. It's that bride of yours that I have problems with, okay? So as soon as you get rid of her, it'll be a lot better here. <laughs> and it's so foolish, isn't it? That's Jesus' view, though. That's his love. That's the love of his life, guys. We are the church. And so what a cool thing that we get to be a part of that. But then looking at the word of God, and when we study through it, what is it talking about as far as church is concerned? You know, what is the church experience that we see in there? And so, you know, I know there's some people would say that, I'm taking it where they want to say, I am, I am a part of the church, and just because I don't go to church doesn't mean I'm not a part of the church. I'm a part of the church. I've been baptized into it by the Holy Spirit, just like the Scripture says, I just don't want to go to church. Well, I would ask you, then where are you experiencing church? If you're not going to church, then where are you experiencing church? See, they go hand in hand. And I want to make sure that's very clear, that coming here on Sunday is being a part of the church that you've been baptized into. And it's not just that i got to do this orderly thing, i got to do this religious thing, but it's actually us coming together to give honor to God together and to please Him. So, let's go ahead and jump into some scripture, because that's a lot better than me ranting on. Ephesians 2, 
Ephesians chapter 2. I love this book, especially because it's a lot of it's to the Gentiles, us, for those of you that are Gentiles. So Ephesians chapter 2. This, this, we're going to really study in chapter 3 today, but I want to start out in the end of chapter 2, and I love how it's wrapped up from chapter 2 and chapter 4. It's talking about Christ as our cornerstone in the last part, and then in chapter 4, it's walk in unity. And it's, it, that's both talking about the church. And then you have chapter 3 right in the middle of it, which is a very interesting chapter, and it's an exciting one when you look into it as a perspective from what the church is. So let's go ahead and start reading in Ephesians and I would just say this, that I would encourage you guys, what we're about to read through is that, you know, are we acting as strangers and foreigners to the church rather than the citizens and the members that we've been made to be? Is that where we're at? So right in chapter 19, I mean, sorry, chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 19, says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And you guys know our church called Living Stone, right? We take it from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, and that's where we look at it. And it goes right along with this. Peter talked about the same thing. We have Paul here explaining to the Ephesians, this is what it's about. Christ is our cornerstone. And when he says the household of God in verse 19, therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. What is the household of God? Go ahead and put up that one verse there, 1 Timothy 3.15. And we'll read that, Josh. And it says, just a second. There it is. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, okay, the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. The ground is being the foundation of truth. And that's what he's explaining to Timothy, Timothy being a pastor and is explaining these things to him. And he relates the house of God now is no longer the temple, the house of God is his church. And so when we look at that, going back over to Ephesians, Chapter 19, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And in verse 21, in him, the whole building being fitted together grows into holy temple of God. And I love the parallel here as you jump over into verse uh, 16 of chapter 14. And Josh, you can go ahead and put that one up there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. And look at this parallel between it. When Paul later on explains it, he says in, in verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. So it's like those blocks being put together with that mortar. By what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for edifying of itself in love. And what a great thing to see when you go back over there is talking in whom the whole building being fitted together, knitted together because of what he's given us, grows into a holy temple of the Lord. This growth that ends up happening because church is happening, right? Growth apart from church, yes, there's things that God takes us through as individuals and he challenges us, but wow, you get so much growth when you're with other believers, right? Anybody that gets off and starts having church in their own house and says, I'm the pastor, 
which that's dangerous anyways, because have they been called to be that, which you guys know, and I don't know if you're this way, but any person you ever meet that says, no, we do church in our house. Okay, you do church like there's other people coming? No, it's just me and my family. Immediately, you know there's going to be some strange doctrine that's going to come from them that immediately follows, right? I mean, it's every time I've talked with them, it's like they, they show me the scripture that they're so hung up on, and it's completely taken out of context, and that's what they write on, and that's what they love to share with other Christians to show them that they've been wrong in this whole way. And usually it comes down to legalism most of the time. Of they, they become very legalistic. And the reason is because they don't have other believers there, other brothers and sisters that are, hey, I don't know if that. Let, let's, let's go through and let's sharpen this together. Let's see, is this really the truth? Or is that just a perspective that you're taking? Let's go look at other scriptures that they might know that this person doesn't know. And that's why coming together is that, that fellowship and talking about those things is so important together so they don't get off. And that's that growth that takes place. And this is not a one-man show, a two-man show, a six-man show, a ten-man show. It's not just the leadership that's in the church that is the one that is the church, right? It's every single person, like what it says here in the scriptures, it's everybody knit together, everybody put together as that building and being built up and growing together. That's another thing is watch out for the dangers of just having a one-man show where everybody's like, I cannot wait for that guy. I love that guy when he teaches, or I love how this person, and it's all this focus on that person rather than I love that church, I can't wait to be with those people, I can't wait to do things with them. You see the difference there? The focus is totally different. Now, in today's study, we could go different directions, okay? It's talking about church. So we could go and dive into, you know, our gifts and how that builds each other up and what we're accountable to, that, hey, I come to church because I am there because God's given me gifts and it edifies the church, okay? We can go through that. We could go through and explore the dedication to church. What do we profit from our dedication and coming to church or being a part of church? Or we could even go through on the unity. I mean, unity is hit all the time, right? Make sure you're doing this for your brothers and sisters. Make sure you're doing that. We want unity. The only thing that Jesus Christ prayed for us as future believers was unity in John 17 because he knew we were going to have problems with it. Those are all great topics to go over. They're awesome. And I was looking at each one. Okay, how, how, Lord, do you want to encourage your people that they would come to church, that they would see that in church is important to them? And then he opens up chapter three, and I'm like, how does that make any sense? You're talking about a mystery here. How does this make any sense? So let's go look at that. I want to follow along with what Paul went into. Because Paul hits this, he talks about it right in the end of chapter two and saying what the church is about and how it grows, and it's a whole building knit together. And then later on in chapter 4, he starts talking about the unity that needs to happen within the church, but what happens in between. So that's where I'd like to go this morning and really focus in on and see what the Lord taught Paul and what he has for us. So beginning in verse 1 of chapter 3, let's read through 7. It says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of man, of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. And so looking at this, 
You see Paul, he comes up and he's, he's right away, he's saying, hey, for this reason, because it's built up, I, Paul, prisoner of Jesus Christ, that meaning I am with Jesus Christ. I'm doing what he says. I'm captive to Jesus Christ. What a great place to be captive to rather than other things outside of Jesus Christ. I want to share this with you. And if you've heard about this, what my job is, my dispensation or my stewardship of the grace of God, which he's given to me, is that he gets to share this mystery. He gets to be a part of this mystery of the Gentiles being brought in. And what a neat thing that Jesus has revealed that the great prophets of old never even had an idea about. Maybe they had a little idea about it, but it wasn't ever exposed to them, right? This is something they didn't know the Gentiles were going to be included in. It was their nation. Their nation was the one to represent Jesus, or God, sorry. Their nation was to represent God and his goodness and his strength through all the things that they walked through, right? That was what that was about. Now, all of a sudden, the Gentiles are entering in. They get to be a part of this promise of Jesus Christ, of the Messiah. What a neat thing, and this is something they didn't even know about. Now, when in verse 6 it says uh, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, this is that great mystery that he goes and he builds it up, and he says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of this promise in Christ through the gospel. You turn over to Romans 11. It gives us a little bit more insight on what this, how, how incredible this process of us being brought in is. Romans 11, verse 13 to 25. <clears throat> we'll go through this little, it's a long section, but follow with what he's talking about here. He's explaining to the Gentiles what, has happened with us as far as us coming into the nation and us being a part of that same tree. So he says in verse 13 of chapter 11 of Romans, for I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke the to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. So he's talking to the Gentiles, he's talking to us, those of you that are Gentiles, and he wants to also bring to jealousy the Jewish people because he wants to explain what's going to happen here. This is an awesome thing that God's done, an awesome work, and it's not just about you anymore, which would prompt him to jealousy, because it's like, wait, 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 that's our God. That's our forefathers. Like, what are you Gentiles? You guys are unclean. Why are you even touching that stuff? Get away from it. But he says, I want to do this out of jealousy. That's why I want to magnify this, and I want to explain to you guys what's going on. So in verse 16, for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off and you being an olive tree, a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them and with them became partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. (laughs) That's so key, isn't it? You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Hey, well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God and those who fell severity, but toward you. Goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into the cultivated olive tree, 
how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own tree? In the last verse, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So the whole thing, he's talking about this tree here. And back in this time when the, the uh, people that had the orchards with the olive trees, the interesting thing is that you had wild olive trees and then you had the ones that you'd brought up, right? The ones that were natural. Well, these wild ones, you could not put them together. You could take, and I don't know if you guys know what grafting is, you cut into the side of the tree, you put a branch of another one, you can have a different fruit that comes out of it or you can use the source from that fruit to provide for that branch that you grafted in. Well, with these olives, the thing is, is that these, all, these wild olives, to graft them into an original tree was impossible. It never worked. The branch would always die off. And that's why at the very end of that, he says, you guys being wild were grafted in. That's something that's a miracle because that doesn't happen in the wild. Now you could do the reverse. You could take the natural and you could actually graft that into the wild and that works. Interesting little thing. And he's showing that don't be haughty. Just because you Gentiles are now a part of it, it's not like you guys kicked some Jews out so that you guys could be a part of his plan. He said it's because their unbelief that they left. It's their unbelief that they got broken off. And by the grace of God, you now have been grafted in. But remember, it's easy just to cut you off, and he also can graft those ones back in that are unbelief. And you see this whole process, and what's going on is now it's no longer about a nation, but now it's become about a church. It's become about a church. And so when we go back over to Ephesians chapter 3, we see that this church is now set apart, and it's birthed through the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God has given me effective and working in his power. So through these first seven verses, through the first seven verses, we see that it's a great mystery that's been revealed. That even as we come together like this, right? As we come together to have church together, we're proclaiming this great mystery. We are that mystery being acted out. What a neat thing that we get to be a part of. And what's going to start happening as we go through this, Paul, I think, really gets our eyes off of why we come to church and starts moving it over to why is there church? Why did God have church? Why does he have church? Why do we get to be a part of that? And the whole focus comes off of us and onto our Savior and then it becomes an exciting thing to be a part of what he's doing and what he's planned from the beginning. Let's go into the next verses in verse 8 through 13. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You guys know the history of Saul or Paul. When he was called Saul, he was an evil man, right? We've been going through it with the high schoolers and the junior hires. Looking at, he was not a good guy. He's sitting there, he gets orders that he can go clear over to Damascus, which was way out of the way to go bring in Christians and have them either killed or put in prison. And he didn't care if it was men or women. He was going after them all. And then he gets met by Jesus on the way to Damascus, and this awesome revelation happens, and then Ananias comes to him and gives him the rest of his sight, and it, it, it just blows up. He's so excited, and that's why he's saying that I am the less, or I'm the least of all the saints. As we draw closer to Jesus Christ, we really get to see who we are. As we draw close to the light, we see how filthy we are. And it's a good thing. 
And you guys can go through Paul's letters. This is one of the last ones where, you know, at first he says, I'm the least of the disciples, I'm the least of the apostles. And then this is where he comes, and then he says, I'm the least of all the saints. And it's this process of moving closer to Jesus Christ. It's so neat. And he comes and he says, I've been privileged. The grace has been given to me that I get to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Rather than being the Jewish man that he could have been and who he used to be, where the Gentiles are the dirtiest of all. Like you don't go to a Gentile because you want to remain clean so you can go to the temple, so you can worship God, so that you can do things for God. You stay away from the Gentiles. And now he's celebrating that he gets to go. See what church has done? Church has brought in this whole new thing. That it's like, wow, now Paul is including us in his family through Jesus Christ. He is excited to tell us about who Jesus Christ is. He's excited to share the gospel because he wants us to have the same inheritance that is rightfully his, being a Jewish man. What a cool thing that God has done in Paul's life. And then he moves on and he says, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery or what is the plan of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to, by the church or through the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore I ask you, or I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory." Okay, this next part that he jumps into, he goes on to explain the intent of the church through the mystery revealed, the intent of it, the purpose of it. And so he goes and he has this privilege that he gets to talk to them, and and then he gets to this place, and he says in verse 9 that this has been something that's been planned from the beginning. Now, you guys, as parents or you guys as people, do you guys like to give gifts? Is it fun? especially to your children, right? And especially when all of a sudden something happens where you're able to give them a huge gift that you never thought you'd be able to give them. What happened in my life was that my daughter wants to be a part of 4-H and wants to get into archery. And if you guys have tried to get into archery, it is one of the most expensive shooting sports you can get in initially. Now, guns, definitely more expensive because you've got to put all the fun stuff on them and you've got to keep buying ammo. Archery, you don't have to do that as much unless your kid breaks arrows a lot. But that whole process, I couldn't wait to do, you know, and get her something. Well, have some jobs come in, and I cannot wait. I got her, like, the cream of the crop bow, right? Something I didn't even think I was going to be able to touch. And I am so excited to give this to her for Christmas because it's something I wasn't expecting to be able to give her, and she's not even going to expect it. And so I show up, and we get there, and I can't wait for Christmas to come because I can't wait to see the joy on her face and what I've been able to provide for her. And of course, it's a great morning, you know, it's so much fun. And you guys can relate to that in your own lives and what you've given your wives, given your husbands, given your children, you guys that are children, what you've given your parents, or even vice, you know, back and forth. This last Christmas was so cool because my kids have gotten to where they have little jobs now and they actually gave gifts to each other and couldn't wait for each other to open up their gift. Real gifts like $25, I would have never done that for my brother. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's just a girl thing in there, but my brother and I were like, here you go, here's a piece of gum. <laughs> Merry Christmas. You know, and even, <laughs> and it's like they were so excited to give each other gifts. And I want you guys to see God here. Can you imagine planning from the very beginning 
this mystery that you're gonna have this nation that's gonna represent you and they're gonna fail you so many times but yet through that you get to show your faithfulness and your love to all the other nations. You get to show your power through that nation but that's not the end of the story. He has something else he cannot wait to give to us and it's this mystery, the Gentiles, us, we get to be a part of this now. Through grace, we get to focus on Jesus Christ. We don't have to bend, we don't have to do all these rules to be accepted. We walk into Jesus and we're accepted through him. And God could not wait to give that to us. I mean, I can't imagine. And then, and then he gives it to us. And what happens? Look over in Micah. Or sorry, not Micah, Malachi. Last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter one, verse six. Malachi chapter one, verse six. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where's my honor? And if I am the master, where's my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. You know, and I, I know you guys, when you get up in the morning, you have, you, maybe you have one of these tasty little treats, right? You have some kind of, I got some raspberries here. And they're tasty, but when we go through them, I know you guys are like, dang, I want some of those. <laughs> They're delicious, don't worry. But when I go through this, I'm looking. I'm like, okay, that one, it's a little pale, you know. Mm, that one's pretty good. We go through it, we look through the very good ones, right? And pick all the good ones out. You go to the fridge and then somebody's already been through it. You're like, what? It's all the rotten ones. Like, who did this? Why not just throw them away? But as we go through it, we're looking at it. It's the same thing like what we do. I might have these raspberries before I come. You guys like bananas better? I'm like, okay. <laughs> which one am I going to leave behind and which one am I going to eat this morning, right? Well, I'm going to go for the one that's ready to go. But here's what ends up happening is that we, we get the good one, right? And I can't eat this right now because it's got too many carbs. I know, weird. I want to. Oh. But... I come to this nice banana, and I'm excited about it, because it's like, this is going to be so good compared to this one right here. And I have my excuses and my raspberries of why I'm picking out the good ones. And it can look something like, it, as we put it in the same practice, it's like, I come before the Lord, and I'm like, all right, Lord, I have to work, okay? Everybody's got to work. You want me to provide for my family, so I have to work. So there's that one. Mm, that's a good one. I like my work's good sometimes. Well, I need to go work out. So there's that time that I need to take aside. I need to go work out because I want to be fit, you know, and you want me to be fit. You want me to have a good life. So I'm going to take that one. And then, Lord, you know there's family. Family's a great one. I can tell this one's going to be a good one. 
Family is, is awesome. I want to spend time with them. You know that, Lord. So I'm going to take that good one. And this one isn't so good, but, you know, I got another one right here, Lord, that, well, there's things I need to educate myself on TV. So I need to get some education there. So I'm going to go spend some time with that. Oh, here's another good one. I need some rest. I need the rest. All right. When we come to this place, picked all the good ones out. And there we go. You know what, Lord? Here you go. <laughs> this is altar. I got a green banana for you. And I got the, they're, they're still okay. They're not rotten yet, but there's, you know, you might want to wait a little bit of time. There you go. There's what I have left, Lord. Sad part is, is that we give that to him, and then we think that he's coming in going, oh, yes, I got a green banana <laughs> from what I've done for my, my beloved, from my children. I got a green banana, and I got some rotten raspberries that have been in the fridge for a while and everybody else has been avoiding. And the whole principle is, is that what ends up happening is we've lost this reverence for him, like what he said. Why don't you honor me? Do you guys understand the things that I've done? And this isn't to bring us to a place where it's like, okay, what are we giving up to the Lord? But it's why. Why are we doing it? These guys, they're looking around and they're saying, you see that sheep over? It's running into the tree over there. Let's give that one to the Lord. It's no good anymore. He's just asking for a sacrifice. Let's take the blind, dumb one, right? <laughs> so they take it into the temple. They probably won't even know. Just act like it can see. Like, you know, maybe when you see a rock there, like kick it or something so it jumps out of the way, thinks it's, a, you know, make it look like it can see. Take it up there to the temple and let them sacrifice that. Take the lame ones in there and sacrifice it. They'd gotten so far away from what they were doing with the Lord and they'd forgotten why they were worshiping him that it was just nonchalant. They were just bringing what was left over to God. Francis Chan, I really enjoyed. He has another one. You guys can go watch it. He eats a chicken bone and he's like, mm, yeah, and then he throws the bone to God. Same deal. It's, it's, a, it's a sad process that we get ourselves into and I think this is what we need to be reminded of in what is church. You know, it gets so bad. If you guys read later in Malachi that he starts talking to the preachers and the pastors and the, the priests of that time and he says, you guys have walked so far away and we know there's so many churches out there that have walked so far away from God's word and you know what he says to them? He said, I'm going to take the entrails, the stuff that they would take from the animal, because they weren't supposed to cook the entrails on there because it had the manure and stuff in it, right? They would take that outside the gates, and that's where they would go burn it in that valley of Gehenna. Well, he said, I'm going to take that stuff, I'm going to put it in your face. God said that to his priests, because he was so tired that there wasn't any reverence anymore. That it had become this thing that it's like, yeah, we go there because that's what we're supposed to do. And when you come back over to Ephesians and how this relates together is that our Father is so excited to give this mystery and us to be a part of that mystery, and yet we say, you know what, I don't want to be a part of that. I have other things to do. I'm tired. I want to watch this. I want to do this sport. I want my kids to be a part of these sports. So we don't have time to be going to church there's a game on that is so important. I have to see that. How am I going to talk with the guys when I go back into work if I haven't seen the game? You know, I have to work because I need to make this money. All these things that we're putting before what God's given us. And I think the whole perspective of church has been blown out of the water and been replaced, and now it's like we're given the green banana and the rotten raspberries. We're saying, here, I still gave something to you, God. 
I still gave it to you. And can you imagine the disappointment if you guys were so excited to give something to your child, you could not wait to give it to them. They say, thank you very much. I don't really have any need for that. Imagine your excitement in giving that. You cannot wait for them to open it up and they just look at it like, meh. Oh, that's neat. I'll use it a couple times, but it's not really what you know, fits my, my life right now. I would feel so separated from my child if that happened. It would kill me. I'd be so broken over that. And I think that's where we come to, and I think that's why Paul's put in this mystery is so awesome in verse 9. And to make all see, because he wants the whole world to see what he's done for these people, what he's done for us. That the fellowship of the ministry, which from the beginning, our mystery, (coughs) which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. And then there's this honor that comes into him in verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom or the many-sided wisdom is what manifold is, many-sided wisdom of God might be made known by the church or through the church. So not only is he given us this awesome gift through Jesus Christ, but now he wants to use us to show his manifold wisdom. Like he gives us purpose as the church. And we say, I... It's not really for me. I mean, times are changing, God. It's not really for me. <laughs> to come together with other believers, it's like I gotta go to work again. It's like I got that strife and that pain that happens. When he's like, no, this is, this is what church, this is, you guys are the mystery revealed. You guys are, are representing this multi-sided wisdom, my wisdom. To the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. And I love that because when you guys look over at 1 Peter 1.12, we won't go over there, but that's where that verse talks about how the angels were wanting to look in to see what God was doing. The angels, because they're, they're with him from the beginning, aren't they? They know something's going on. They've been messengers and ministers of God as well. They're the ones going and talking to the prophets sometimes and letting them know what's going to happen, right? They've been a part of this process in entering in Jesus Christ. And so they're just as excited to see what is God's plan because they already know God does great things. They're with him in heaven. They get to be his ministers, and now they get to see, are you serious? You're going to let all these Gentiles be a part of that inheritance? Just because of grace? That is awesome. What God does that? The Almighty God. And you see this character that gets to be seen in what God has established as his church. That's why we are so precious to him. That's why we're his bride. That's why he loves us so much. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access and confidence through faith in him. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So then Paul goes right in after this and he talks about because of this eternal purpose, because of what was planned through Jesus Christ, now we get to enter in and be in front of God with confidence and boldness, right? You guys can go over to Hebrews where it talks about that. Hebrews talks a lot about Jesus Christ being our, our high priest, how now we can enter in and how we have access 
that we went through his flesh, which is the representation of the veil, that we get to enter in there now, and we get to have personal relationship with Jesus Christ, with God, that's all been taken away. Now we get to go in there. Before, it was just a man that would go in there for us, right? The high priest, he would go in and, and give the, the sacrificial lamb, but because Jesus was fully that lamb in his body, he took care of death, he went in there, now we have access to that through him. And what a neat thing, and that's what he goes into. He says that's what we can go into. We have access, access to confidently go in there in faith through him. And so because we have that, we have this in common. In verse 13, he says, therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you. Paul was having to go through some rough stuff to bring them the gospel, wasn't he? Going through some horrible things. I mean, he even talks about it later in, in Acts when he brings all these Ephesian elders together when he says, I'm going to see you the last time. He says, you guys know the trials I had to go through. You know the stuff I had to face. You know that while I was with you, I worked so hard so that you guys didn't have to give us anything. And I worked for the guys that were with me too so you guys didn't have to give anything. You guys know who I am. And he says, do not be sad because of what I'm going through for you guys. This is what it's meant to be. This is the glory of God. And it's to your glory as well. Be excited about this. And then he goes on in the last part of this chapter to explain some things. And this is where that fellowship comes in and what the church is all about. So it's not the individual, but it starts becoming the whole church as we see here. He says in verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And so Paul comes to this place after he's gone through the mystery and talking about what the mystery is and God's eternal purpose, and that we're comforted as the church through those hard times, and we're drawn close as its members that we can go through those things. All it leads him to is to come down before on his knees, Right? comes down and he just bows down before God to give blessing. I think it's so neat. Let's go over to first or second Corinthians one. Hey Steve, can you kick on the, the fan? It's getting a little warm in here. In Second Corinthians Second Corinthians chapter one, verses three through seven. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that it is that, that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you're partakers of the consolation or the comfort. So what it's going through here in talking is just how close-knit we are as believers. That God is the ultimate comforter to us, and as we go through these hard times, as we go through those things and he comforts us, now we get to comfort those that are going through 
that time as well, right? And you guys have heard me talk about this before that, you know, maybe you have to go through a horrible death in your family where you lose a child. It's one of the worst things you can go through in this life. You lose that child and God puts you in touch with somebody afterwards that has also lost a child. There's something you guys have in common there that very few people know. And because of how you walk through that with God and losing your child, you're able to bring comfort to that person that is also going through that. Because as God comforted you through it, now you can go through it with them. Something that nobody else can do because they've never been through that. They could pray for you and say, I'm so sorry for your loss, but that's about where it ends. The other person that's gone through it says, here's, here's what you can expect. This is gonna hurt. This does not go away. You can be 30 years down the road and when you have that child's birthday again, you still will cry. But there's this process and there's this hope that we look to and it's so neat that God has knit us together like that in the body till we get to come together. You will not get that out of a pod quest, cast, quest, cast. there it is. <laughs> you will not get, out, get that out of a podcast, will you? There's not gonna be anybody there comforting. You might have some comforting words because you know, they're still preaching God's word on there. There's great pastors in there. I don't wanna take away from that. They're great to listen to. But to substitute it for church is not okay. As God has set it up, it's not what should be done. And you have this comfort that comes and that's why when Paul is talking them back over in Ephesians, and he says, therefore I ask you, do not lose heart at my tribulation for you. This is a good thing. I'm being comforted by God through this situation because it's to your glory. I know that this is bringing you to a better end, what I'm suffering, and what a pleasure it is to do it for you, right? If only we could have more of that attitude because when the person hurts us here, if only we could say, I'm gonna suffer through this because I know you're probably having a rotten time in life. I don't know what's going on with you. I know you're probably hurt. I know your work is probably horrible and the things you have to deal with. I want to make it one less person that you have to deal with as far as being upset with you. And I just want to love you. And yeah, you hurt me bad. <laughs> the things you said to me, the way you treat me. But because we're a body, because we've been knit together, I want what's better for you. I want what's good for you. Because it's Jesus that promised me. And so going through that and what Paul's talking about, I love where it brings him to this place. And I think this is where it needs to bring us. We do come to that unity later and we come to this place of why a church is so good. We see that this mystery has been explained and we get to be a part of that. And like I said, we have the Father in heaven that could not wait to give it to us and we should be excited about what he's given us. Should be excited to be at church, to go to church, to be the church because of what it's been set up to be. And then look what it does to Paul. Look where it brings him to. And I love this part of it because if only this would happen in church more often. He gets down on his knees before God, doesn't he? And he starts proclaiming blessing on his fellow believers. He starts proclaiming blessing on the church. And you don't think any of these people have said anything wrong about him? There's always one in the crowd, isn't there? There's always a critic. There's always somebody that's going to say, but yet he gets down on his knees and he says, for this reason, for this reason, because I understand what the mystery is, because I understand what God has given, I get down on my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Like he gives honor, glory to God, focuses on God, and then this is what he proclaims. There's four of them. And you guys have underlined in your Bible, I don't know if you have that. That is each one of the first proclamations or the blessings or the prayers that he does for the people. It says in this verse one, first one in verse 16, 
It says, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That he would grant you. So he gets down his knees and he proclaims, he says, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. I'd be good with that. I'd be like, thank you, Paul. (laughs) That is powerful. I wish I could speak that way when I pray with others. I wish I could be so deep like that and just say, I hope the Lord comes and strengthens you and your inner man. That he brings his spirit and just surrounds you and helps you get through this week, helps you get through the tough times you're going in life, helps you get through this illness. What a cool blessing, right? But he still has three others he gives. The next one he says in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Something that's never been done before, that Christ, the Messiah, would dwell in a Gentile's heart. That he may dwell in your guys' hearts, being the church. That you being rooted and grounded in love, that you have that foundation in love, in verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge. Wow. That is so neat. The world wants love so bad, don't they? They get so robbed in where they look for love. And here it is. He says that I, that I want you guys, that you guys are already rooted and grounded in love because of Jesus Christ, but I want you guys to understand it as a church. I want you, all of you guys, that's why he says you, along with the saints, I want you to understand this deep, powerful love. And not just that it's one direction, that it's all surrounding. That's why he says that it's, it's the width and the length and the depth and the height, that volume of his love. To know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge. I love this because he puts this in here and it sounds so contradictory because it says to know the love, which passes all knowledge. To know is to have knowledge. Well, it's going to pass all Okay, what's he talking about here? Because God's love is going to go past of what we just know that he's love, right? What it's talking about here is that Paul's asking and putting a blessing on us that we would experience. That's what he means by that know, to know his love, to experience God's love. You guys can talk about people in your lives that they, yeah, they love me because I know they love me, but wow, when they act it out, when they go out of their way to do something for you, that's sacrificial, to show that they love you, that's a whole different experience that goes beyond what knowledge is talking about, isn't it? We could read all day long in our Bibles and we could hear somebody talk about God's love and that brings us knowledge of his love, but to experience it, where are we gonna get that from? And that's one of the ones that if we separate ourselves from church and we don't see an importance of church, how do we experience that love? How do we experience it? Well, we can say, well, I get it from my family. Hey, that's a good, you know, you got, you got great love there. But your family alone, separate from the church, is not his bride. This is his bride here. This is where we get to experience that deep, wide, that awesome volume of love is amongst each other. And so to eliminate that of our lives, we lose understanding and we just have a simple knowledge of what God's love. We do not have an experience of his love. And I know some of you guys are like, you know what? That used to be the way it is, but it is no longer that way anymore. I do not experience God's love when I come to church anymore. 
I would challenge you then, why? Is it everybody else's fault because you're not getting that? Or is it because your perspective has changed that you forget what church is about, that it's this awesome thing that's been given to us, that we can't wait to come together? And you know what? Some people may be rotten to you. That's only one or two people. What about everybody else here that loves you to death, that can't wait to see you, can't wait to talk about your week, can't wait to pray for you, comes to this place where they just want to kneel down before God and just bless you? There are people here like that. But when we focus so much on the negative and what's going on and we're training ourselves to do that, you know what? After time, you will become bitter against the church and that's all you're gonna see. So I'd ask you guys, check your hearts if that's the way it is. If you don't feel like you're experiencing God's love anymore in the church, why is that? Are you giving out that love? Are you giving out the grace that God has given you? It's a hard, hard pill to chew on, isn't it? It's a hard deal, but it's an important thing because we don't want to lose sight of what church is about. The last one, the last blessing that he gives us, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You may be filled with all the fullness of God. You guys understand that? God, God of the universe, that you might be filled with him. What does that do? Well, if you let it go and you let him do what he wants to do, I promise you, and he promised you that this life is going to just, you can't wait. You can't wait to live it. I mean, when you have the whole fullness of God, as he says here, and just be filled with that, it's like, I can't wait to be around people. I can't wait to share with people. I can't wait to tell them what Christ has done for them and what he's purchased them. And I can't wait to encourage my brother. I can't wait to cry with my sister. I can't wait to be a part of what God has had in the very beginning planned out for us. What an exciting thing to be a part of. I look forward to it. And then he goes in and he closes in these last two verses here, verse 20. He goes back and he exalts God. In verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly <laughs> above all that we ask or think according to the power that, he wor- that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Forever and ever means it wasn't just at that time. It means today too. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And the worship team wants to come back up. I hope you guys are encouraged as we went through and looking at what God has for us and just understanding what that mystery is all about. That it's not I come to church because I want to be filled. It's not because I come to church because I want to hear a good preaching. It's not because I want to get back with the Lord. It's not, you know, you keep saying all these eyes because this is what I want from church. And it's not also, okay, I need to go and I need to give myself. I need to give, 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 give. But it's where is the focus at? This mystery's been planned out from the very beginning, we get to be a part of the Gentiles. We are, it's no longer just about one nation. They still have a purpose. I don't want to ex, you know, get that out of there, but now it's about the church. It's about the bride of Christ until we're taken away. That's what we get to be a part of. So when we come and we think about, do I really want to go to church today? It's this place that we come to, and it's like, I can't wait because I get to be a part of something that God had planned out from the very beginning And not only that, because of what he does for me and what he prompts me to, that I get to go through this suffering with my brothers and sisters, all I can do is come and kneel down before him and give them blessing. That's where I want to be at with my brothers and sisters. I want to come and be a blessing to them. 
and give to them. And after you come to the end of it all, it says, now to him who is able. God's got it all under control. He's, a, he's got everything under control. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all things that we ask according to the power of his works. And to him be the glory. May we walk away from here not saying, that was a good sermon. That was a good day at church. But that we would walk away from church saying, I hope God was pleased in that. I hope God was pleased in the sermon that was given. I hope he was pleased in my worship to him. I hope he was pleased in how I reacted with that person that doesn't like me very much. I hope that when I come to church, I please my Savior and that he walks away from it saying, that was a great church service. That was an awesome service. For any of you guys that want that prayer and that blessing from your brothers and sisters, we have three different people that will be up here this morning that would love to pray with you, to talk to God with you guys. It's such an awesome, powerful thing. And ask anybody. We have three people up here, and as soon as we're done singing this song, and just that you guys that need prayer or just want to praise God together, come on up and, and pray with them. And just as we sing this last song, I mean, just pay attention to the words, guys. Have God just be like, ooh, that was good. That was some good worship. And so if you guys are standing, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we do love you, and I just thank you so much for what you reveal in your scriptures and um, the things that we get to go together and, and the planning that you had for us and being a part of your church and the sufferings that we would go through together that we could bring comfort to each other and just bringing us to the place where we get to bow down before you and ask for blessings on our brothers and sisters. And Lord, just as I, I wish I could have the words that Paul had, and, uh, and just giving these guys blessing and just blessing your church, Lord. And I pray that you would just fill them. Fill them with your fullness as they go out, Lord, that as they've heard your scriptures, they would be excited to do your work, excited to be a part of the church, Lord, and that their focus would be on you. And those that have been hurt, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just restore them and show them that you, you have an ultimate love and that there's people here that love them so much and don't want to see them walk away, don't want to see them go and end up not being a part of this church. Just pray for all the other churches out there this morning too. Lord, everybody that's meeting today, Lord, I, I just pray that they would be a joy to you and that it's one of those things you walk away where you cannot wait for Sundays because it's such an exciting day where we get to worship. We know it's not the only day, Lord, but it's one of those main days that you called us to. And so just lift it up to you, Lord. I pray that the people that are listening at home, for whatever reasons they're there, Lord, that you'd just prompt them to be a part of your body and to be excited to be a part of it. We just pray these things in your name. Amen.